Hello and welcome to ClapperCast, your weekly discussion of all things cinema. I'm your host, Carson Tamar, and today we're talking about Q4 Season 1, The Card Counter, Kate, and Malignant. How do you say that? Malignant? Malignant? (laughs) Okay, we're going to go with that. Um, I'm not going to edit that out. Um, But I'm not here alone, luckily. As you can hear, we do have another person here, the legendary, iconic Paul Price. How are you doing today, Paul? I'm all right. It's been a um, a long week, surprising because it's only a four day week, but really felt these days. And you haven't even been covering Venice and Toronto, which makes me uh, just so excited to talk about more cinema when I've watched 20 films this week. Um, it's been very long. Uh, but it is a two-person show. Our Queen Alina is in Toronto spending $200 a night on hotels. So she's out there living her damn life. Um, and we're stuck talking about great cinema. But despite this being a movie review podcast, there is times where something so culturally relevant, something so powerful in diversity comes along that we need to cover it. And that's not movies. And this came out this week with Q-Force on Netflix, a revolutionary idea, queer representation on Netflix. What if spies were gay? Paul, why don't you start off with Q-Force? You live in Los Angeles. This takes place in West Hollywood. Uh, we are both queers, so this really works well that we're covering this. Did you love Q-Force? Did you feel seen on the Netflix screen for the first time? Unfortunately, I did not hate uh, Q-Force. Um, I'm really embarrassed about it. I even told us to watch it because I knew I would hate it. And ultimately, it's like, fine. <laughs> Can I just say, I, like... hate, I despise that take, not because it's your take, but because I have the exact same feelings. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I was like, I know this is damning it with faint praise and I'm not saying watch it, but like putting it on so ready to just be like, oh, here's all the, I was like, I laughed a couple times. Um, the jokes are so specific to West Hollywood. If I didn't have a friend who lived in West Hollywood, I would not understand half the references in the show. Uh, it's it's wild how much is like a specific to WeHo gays. And I'm not sure, like, did they all watch it? Like how else would the show, um, what audience does this have? Because um, there was a show back in the mid 2010s um, called Difficult People. And it was a show where like the cultural references were so much like so deep cuts. Uh, It's about people living in New York and just being assholes. Um, It's a great show, by the way, you should watch it on Hulu. But those references were so deep cut, but like they felt in the same way that like Mystery Science Theater does, where they, you didn't have to understand the entire reference to know why it's funny. This, there was constant things like if I did not understand what street you're talking about, this joke goes over my head. Um, (laughs) Even like to me, I was like, I think I know what um, there was one joke about a street specifically that I was just like, who who is this for? (laughs) Um, And that's overall just the entire show. Um, I didn't hate it, but it also varies wildly joke to joke. And I think that's because they picked a writer's room of people who some are really great writers and some they are friends with those really great writers. If you go and look, every single person is like best friends with each other that's involved in the show. And I think that that's like part of the problem is like they brought on some people who it's like, 
you know, especially Matt Rogers, who I used to think was funny and is definitely the worst part of the show. Every time his character shows up, I'm like, please, God, get him off the screen. His lines aren't funny. His references aren't funny. His whole like shtick isn't funny. I know people thought the Frankie Grande joke was funny on Twitter. They are wrong. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, even like there's a whole thing about the Abbey, which is like a famous gay bar here that um, <laughs> I don't know if people know it outside of LA, maybe, but I don't think like the average person is like, oh, the Abbey, the famous place that everyone's going to right now. Yeah, no, definitely not. This mean? definitely is like the comedic writer branch of Netflix. Very similar to how Q Force is like the gays of the military who live in West Hollywood. This is definitely the gay writers of Netflix who live in West Hollywood. And this is like the show they were given. I don't hate it. Like you said, I think there are some genuinely like good jokes here. Varies. It's, you know, it's not good. It's not consistent. But like this is at least to a point watchable. My biggest issue really is just that the show like as a show is terrible it's very clear to me they storyboarded wrote animated whatever you want the first three episodes whatever it was i think it was the first three episodes because it ends on a cliffhanger and that feels very like apparent it feels very competent then afterwards it's clear they had like a three to four season story but they were like well fuck no one's gonna this is not good we're not gonna get another season so then they crammed this entire story into this one season where you'll have betrayals twists turns but then immediately gets resolved when the next episode like someone will disappear which naturally is like okay in a couple seasons that's going to be paid off it's going to be a big moment no next episode they are back and there's just no time to breathe uh it's it's like not a good well-built show but as like a comedy i mean sure i think it's problematic to a point but it, it isn't the worst thing i've ever seen in my life yeah, um, I completely agree because uh, <laughs> um, it's just there's so many things in it that uh, especially with what you're talking about with the plot where I was like trying to keep up with what they were saying and the levels of like, oh, this is, you know, um, the AIA is good. It's bad. It's a little bit of both. It's like I, was, I just needed them to pause for a little bit. The weirdest part which I kind of appreciated was that the finale is technically in episode nine, is it? Then they have another episode that like wraps up additional plot lines. And I was like, that's cool. That's interesting at least. Um, Cause I'm so used to these kind of shows where they're just, you know, and then we're setting up for next season. This I do feel like really does like end the show. If it gets canceled, I think it's already got a second season. Um, uh, just knowing how like the Netflix model is, most animated mm -hmm. shows get two seasons um, as a immediate. Um, but yeah, going back to that trailer, um, it's a lot better than that trailer. And it's kind of upsetting yes. that that trailer used. Uh, I even wrote you when I said um, that I was on the last episode and I was like, oh, good. They didn't use the worst line. I guess they cut it because they knew everyone hated it. Seconds later, it showed up in the finale and I was like, a, this is from the end of the show. B, it's a stupid, terrible line. Like, it doesn't even play well on the show. It's just like a, a side joke. And that they ended the entire uh, trailer with that. The little butthole joke is yes. so... <laughs> Not good. And also, it's Matt Rogers again. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Um, 
but I'm not saying watch it, but like, it's fine. I'm kind of, it's kind of upsetting because I was so excited to like tear into this and like halfway through, I was like, this is fine. I mean, there's way way too much. um, Like (laughs) I've been trying to figure out if you could actually watch this with people because like 95% of it is like random nudity. Yeah. Also, I mean, you could also talk about the fact that this is a blatant ripoff of Archer down to um, oh yeah, uh, Laurie Metcalf's character just being Jessica <laughs> Walter as Mallory, and it was like <laughs> you guys could have done any other kind of character, and they're like, no, no, we're just gonna do exactly the same, even with her use being originally an agent, but now is uh, just their manager, but sometimes gets it back into the field. Uh, yeah, just across the board, it is a ripoff of Archer, which I'm surprised isn't mentioned more. I don't think anyone's um, watching it. I think that people like watch the trailer and then they might watch episode one and they're like, oh, this is bad. Yeah. But, okay. Like, I, I actually, don't think people are watching the f- show. I will say watching this show is more rewarding. Rick and Morty just came out with season something. I don't know, four or five. I don't know what it was, but this was much more rewarding than watching that show. I'll yeah, give it no, that. Uh, the new season of Rick and Morty was really rough. I watch a lot of animation. Um, my dad works in animation. Um, so it's like, I was kind of raised on that. Um, so it's kind of one of my comfort things to just put on when I'm bored. Um, so I watch pretty much anything animated. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the newest season of Rick and Morty was not good. And I was able to watch this while like baking and, you know, doing stuff. It was like, I like, it was not something where I was like, I've got a skim, which, uh, is a very common thing for me with Netflix right now. Um, oh, you know, since that. you introduced that 1.5 to me, oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, God send. <laughs> there is this guy who uh, got reamed on Twitter the other week for talking about um, 1.5 speed uh, viewing on Netflix. And he was like, it's smooth, it's fast, it works. And like the Netflix editing, that's definitely just wasting time, uh, kind of gets brushed under the rug. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to try it. So I watched the show Clickbait um, <laughs> and I watched it in four hours. And I was like, wait, this was fantastic. If I had watched this over eight hours, I would have jumped off a cliff. As someone who's um, watched Clickbait in uh, normal speed, I would say, yeah, it's not. It probably, <laughs> I, that is a good assumption on what it's like to watch yeah. in normal speed. Oh, it was like, it, and once I finished, I was like, yeah, four hours was enough for this. Um yeah, I totally recommend it if you're just like wanting to finish a show just for the uh, the hell of it. Like there's a lot of shows like Sabrina. I'm like, well, maybe I'll go back and watch it at 1.5 because um, I just my ADD just can't handle those shows. Um, but this one I didn't do that with, uh, which was good. I guess that's the best compliment I can give it is that I am very trigger happy to press that 1.5 um, uh, with television. Uh, movies it doesn't work as well with um just so everyone's aware but i don't know yeah. i feel like if you throw on the kissing booth three at 1.5 oh that'd yeah it'd be the <laughs> ideal way to watch it actually um i uh, will I, say well, go ahead oh i was gonna say i actually did watch the kissing booth series at 1.5 not the last one but the first two because i was having to watch all three in one night because you're because you're a madman um I, I will say quickly with the representation of this film which i think it's probably worth or show which i think is worthy to talk about like it is interesting how this is going to differ from queer audiences, or I guess audiences, let's say, uh, in West Hollywood and in liberal states where, like, they kind of get 
gay culture, I think more than the Midwest and casual audiences. Because to a point, it's definitely like parody of the gay culture and gay experience. But at the same time, I feel like probably Midwest audiences who don't know any gay people will take this as being just like authentically what it's like. And it, you know, plays into every stereotype, which I feel like is quite problematic. I don't know. I feel like we're at this point with the representation where it's like this felt very early 2000s in a really negative sense. And not that you can't fun with it. I think especially if you are queer, you're going to be able to have tons of fun with it. But I think like thinking in the larger scale, not sure how I feel about it overall. Yeah, I I don't know. That's one of the things I really don't get is who is this for? Um, I mean, I could see like 20 people absolutely loving us. Oh, the other thing we didn't talk about is I told you to go look at the Twitter and just type in Q-Forced and literally the entire Twitter stream of the uh, first weekend that came out was just like people jacking off to the show. And it was like just dick after dick after dick. And it was like, well, now it is, it's still dicks. Now it's just art of the characters. Yeah. It took time for the draw. (laughs) While they were drawing, half the audience were masturbating and posting pictures of it. Uh, which i don't hate what stick you had in you hand. know some, some it's just, you know it's very funny um yeah and i do feel like uh if the trailer had been better and i i will say that it is a little surprising to me someone pointed this out on twitter and i thought the same thing that this show is like uh on all the posters and everything they have the pronouns of everyone but there's no non-binary people in the show and like when I was watching it I was expecting it to be almost like excessively genderqueer but it is it is very uh it's very cis which is um surprising not that like you know I'm sure in later seasons that was the plan but it's just I was expecting it to be like um a lot more twitter than it was it was very mainstream yeah I mean I would agree with that I because I mean I, I, it's weird because it definitely is not playing it safe. As you mentioned, every other second there's some nudity or people are fucking or whatever. But like, I, it does feel like it's trying to be a little bit safer, I guess. Well, not safer, maybe less challenging is a better word to general audiences. But I feel like that's just a lost cause. I think your point on like, what, who is this for? I think it's completely lost to the Netflix algorithm of what they're trying to be with this. I think that's probably a pretty good yeah. point on it. Well, the other thing is, um, honestly, the jokes that weren't about queer culture, I thought were significantly funnier than the ones that were. Um, and that's the same way with uh, the show that I was telling you about. Uh, the other two um, is so steeped in like queer culture, but is very like just a show. Um, you know, the plots are all related, but it's not like making fun of like what gays do. It's just like that life. Um, sure. So yeah, it's just very interesting that, uh, they kept leaning into that. And I feel like it's specifically like, you know, um, working and writing stuff and knowing like people who are in writer's rooms and things like that. I know how it works. And like, everyone takes like a section and there's definitely someone on the group that they were like, you write all the gay jokes. And it's somebody who I just don't find particularly funny. I don't know who that is on the writing staff, but it's like, you could tell like every joke that I would be like, God, it was like the same sort of like uh, writing style. I mean, Um, I think it's probably just cause like, 
when you are queer, like you've just been exposed. I mean, they're the most basic jokes one could ever imagine. Like it's just the most basic gay jokes. It's, oh my God, look, they're talking so funny. Yes, queen hunty. Like it's, it's not, it's nothing new or clever. So like, I think just being in gay culture at all, that's just casual, like the most basic joke you see in the culture. So it's not like funny or interesting to see it on, you know, in a show. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I have this thing that I, and I may have mentioned this before on the podcast, but I have them and I call them like when you're sick shows. And it's like, you keep a running log in your head of the next time you get a cold or COVID, um, or whatever you get. Uh, I you did know, t- get like, my test back and it was negative. Everyone. I will just say uh, that from last up last week. <laughs> yeah, my, my new favorite thing that everyone's doing to me is hanging out with me and then texting and saying, I don't feel well, just so you know. And I'm like, okay, thank you. And then they'll get the test back two days later. And they're like, I don't have COVID. And I'm like, cool. Like, let me know when you have COVID. <laughs> like, don't stress me out because I keep canceling all my social plans. And it's like, you had a cold, Melissa. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So anyway, these like uh, six shows, it's like, just save a list of shows that you're like, ah, I don't really need to watch it. And like, you can sleep through half of it. That's, that's this. Just do uh, those animated, like animated shows, as, similar with you. I love the animation genre. I try to watch like every animated movie because it feels manageable. That's the thing is it's like, there's not enough of them to where it feels overwhelming to try to watch the majority of the big ones. But like the animated shows are the best for that. They're like 30 minutes a pop, almost always 20 to 30 minutes. Very rare you get like an hour long show. It's great. This would be a great six show, I think. Yeah. Yes. Um. So, yeah. Um, what's next? Next up, <laughs> we have Paul Schrader's The Card Counter. Um, this, I'll start us off because I'm a huge Paul Schrader fan. Loved First Reformed. Posted an article very recently about it um, and what I my thoughts on the thematics of that. But weirdly, like, well, okay, I should mention, I'm not a fan of Paul Schrader's Facebook. That's, that's where I draw the line with him. Um, but I was weirdly not that excited for this movie. Like I had no expectations for it, walked in very blind and ended up just being blown away. Not to sound hyperbolic, but I truly like, I don't go to church, right? I'm not a very religious person, let's say. But like, I feel like what people get from going to church, I get from going to see Paul Schrader films. Like truly, I think he's, when it comes to making poignant cinema, one of the best. There's so much thematic, relevant weight to this film. Um, it is masterfully executed for the most part. There are some minor issues with the casting, uh, some really horrible voiceover work in the film also. Um, but Oscar Isaac is fantastic here. Maybe a career best, I would say, for him. Um, but there's just this relevant weight. And yes, it's less universal than First Reformed, which First Reformed was all about environmentalism and the global warming and the earth dying and humans polluting it, which is universal. I mean, if you're a sane person, that is something on your mind to some degree. Um, and it's very uneasy to understand and feel the fears of those characters. And this one's a little bit different. It's this guy, he counts cards, he plays in a casino. That's like all he does with his life. Um, but specifically, it's an attempt to escape and just kind of live with himself after he committed some pretty atrocious like crimes in his service in the military when it comes to torturing people, which is like, yes, it's more personal to him and not to the audience. Um, so fundamentally, I think it's less meaningful than First Reformed, but it still is just like a masterwork. I think this is like, 
there's we talked about a lot of shit cinema this might be my favorite film we've talked about of the year on the podcast like i love 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 this film um but before i get too much into it paul what are your thoughts on it so i got to see this twice um i went with my friend on thursday evening and then i went again uh yesterday which would have been saturday um and both my friends did not like this movie and I was not sure the first time. And then I was not sure the second time. And then driving home, I was like, no, I liked it. Um, to me, uh, I think that a movie really needs to stick the landing. And I think that this one completely flubs the ending, not to spoil it. I don't, we're not even going to discuss spoilers on this one specifically. Oh, we might, but. but oh, okay. Uh the ending to me like does not work and i think that that's a real shame because the rest of it is just such strong like vibes i also think that most of the casting is wrong whether or not they're good performances everyone's just like the ages feel like he just cast people who were willing to go out in the middle of covid versus like the right role uh example tiffany haddish is definitely too young for the character she's supposed to be playing it's like I think that this was supposed to be like a Rene Russo type. And then um, he picked someone significantly younger because uh, the character of Lalinda um, is very like world wary and worn down. And like Tiffany Haddish is like in her thirties <laughs> and she's like constantly talking about, I'm too old for this. And, you know, I was beat around in my youth. I'm like your youth, like five years ago. Like, what are we talking about? Um, and then uh, Ty Sheridan, I think, is too old or looks too old. Um, and so he's what happened to, to his voice and his hair? Like, what the fuck? I, I feel like no I haven't clue. seen him for 10 years. Yeah, looking at him I know. Here. Um, yeah, no, I felt the same way. Uh, it's definitely what you said. It's quarantine. Because, um, but uh, this sounds like already... July. How the hell did his hair get that <laughs> long? Uh, yeah, but I think that they left it long because they thought it would make him look younger. It does not. Um, he's just too, he is too world weary. And he's supposed to be like bright eyed and bushy tailed throughout this movie. And I was like, okay, this is not working. And then also, one of my friends leaned over halfway through uh, the second time I was watching it. And they were like, uh, Oscar Isaac should have been Ryan Gosling. And once I heard that, I was really annoyed because I could not get it out of my head. Um, I was like, that fits more with, because like my biggest problem with Oscar Isaac is I think it's supposed to be like a very all-American boy that isn't anymore because of what happened. And I don't think Oscar Isaac gives like, you know, the Captain America vibes um, that you needed. Uh and I think that's part of the problem. Ultimately, it's like I'm sitting there and I love huge aspects. And then like the ending and the casting, I just don't really care for, which is such a hard thing to say. Um, but when a movie like works for me in most respects, I let things like most of the film slide. <laughs> um, and Willem Dafoe is fine. I usually hate Willem Dafoe. I also don't like Oscar Isaac. Uh, usually, but he is fantastic acting. I just think he's the wrong, the wrong look for the character. I, I uh, yeah, I don't know about that. I think to a degree, I agree with what you're saying, but also like his brooding nature, not just there, but then also like 
he has some scenes in here where he like almost went full Joker. It felt and like I think he really works with that. Ryan Gosling would be better at the like table playing poker. Absolutely, I don't know if he would have been able to pull off the more physical scenes like Oscar I can, Isaac I can see is. That. I do think Oscar I, Isaac, this is probably his best role yet. Not saying a lot necessarily, but I think he is. I think yeah. he's great here. I mean, it's the first role I've seen uh, any of them do that's dramatic. And I I like all their performances. I just feel like they're, um, although Tiffany well, had- Tiffany had, yeah. Especially have a couple... beginning. Tiffany had, I feel like they changed her character halfway through filming because it wasn't working. Because she's so baked, not just like expectation-wise, you hear her voice, you expect comedy, but also like just her tone, her- persona her like she is this very personable comedic character and the first time you meet her she tries to play a full drama full serious full mysterious and it doesn't work at all it is like fucking atrocious and then they start adding a little bit more personality to her and i think that was because just like the performance wasn't working but i think she's clearly like out of place yeah. overall here i respect her trying to do drama no you know absolutely good effort but i just don't think she works See, I felt like no one worked, so it doesn't bother me as much. Um, but yeah, there is like one part where um, exactly the scene you're talking about when they first meet. And then all of a sudden she does like some flirting at the end. I was like, ooh, yeah, that's working. That feels like the right character. <laughs> like there was a couple of little like movements she does. And I was like, oh, you're figuring it out. Um, but yeah. Uh, I also think that that particular scene just has way too much, uh, I want to say too much dialogue for her, but it is a little too uh, talky, even like in the script itself, I think it's just a little too talky and a little too, um, I don't know how someone could believably play some of those lines because they're rough That's... lines, especially when it's explaining like what a stable is to someone who knows what a stable is. It's just very like, okay. <laughs> that's very fair i will say the poker scenes where they explain the poker i like because here's the tea i have no clue what poker like i've never played poker no clue what the game anything about it there are some scenes where i was definitely lost when like the point of like oh look at how they're playing poker that says something about them and i'm like what no clue went fully over my head um before we get into spoilers because i do want to talk to you about the ending considering your take on the ending i will say the visuals are fantastic the visuals here, I think, really stand out. I've heard some people complain about the dullness. And I've heard a really, like, some people give really bad takes of, like, that's just what casinos are like. And it feels like the opposite of what casinos are like. But, like, there's a thematic purpose to it. I think the visuals are great. And the one scene of color with the lights is, like, stunning. It's one of my favorite scenes of the year, maybe. Um, do you have any last Which thoughts is, before we get into spoilers? Yeah. Uh, so, like, one of the main things with this movie is uh, he's talking about that he didn't think he would like prison and then does and then gets out. And I think that that's such a cool theme that he created this life to where he's still in a prison. It's just uh, the, the casino. And that's like such a, it's such a cool concept to me to take something that's tacky, to take something that's, and even in the scene you're talking about with the, uh, the date with the lights, um, all of these things that uh, Schrader takes are like tacky and really embarrassing to be around. Um, and I personally hate and like give them kind of like a like very dull beauty to them is so cool. Um, yeah, I have not seen First Reformed um, because I don't like Taxi Driver because I don't like 
these stories, but this one um, feels the least uh, like dark to me, even though it is dark. It's just not so dark that I'm like, this character feels irredeemable. Um, that's a big thing for me is I don't like, uh, first reform you'd be fine with. He is like, yeah, he's a protagonist, I'm sure. but I, I yeah. think you wouldn't like the movie, but I don't think you wouldn't like it for that reason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just overall, I don't like Scorsese movies. I don't like, I have a big problem with, uh, like personally, I can see that they're great movies, but, uh, I just don't like movies when it's like, this is a bad person being bad and not really like trying to reform at all or do anything. It's like, okay then why am I watching? <laughs> like, you will fucking hate dash cam. FYI. The oh, new one from the guy from, Ho- or the person from host. I think that it's a guy. sucks because you uh, would hate it. You will hate that movie. With yeah, a it's, a, it's, a, it's a guy. Uh, and it's also Jed Shepard, who is a very nice person who follows me on Twitter and letterboxd as you should at price like tag. Uh, <laughs> getting that in early. Um, but yeah. Um, cool. Let's move to spoilers. Okay. So I, I guess I will give my take on the ending and then I will be curious what your issues of it is. Because very clearly, there's a line here in his life between before he goes to the war and after the war. And all this film is, is about this man. And you see this in Schrader's works continually. It's him t- attempting to find a way to cope attempting to find a way with just like living with himself and living with the injustice he's been faced. And first reformed, it's the climate change. The world is being destroyed by humans and the man, I forget his name, he has to find a way to cope with it. Taxi Driver was similar. That's basically what Schrader does. That's his gimmick, if you want to say. That's his thematic way that he cares about. So in this movie, he's presented, he meets Ty Sheridan's character and he's presented with a way not to survive because he's in this routine that allows him to just survive. But he finds a way to better the world and like fix that, try to fix whatever is inside of him that's broken and give him closure. And then obviously the ending happens, Ty Sheridan goes, gets killed, and he can no longer return to that routine. So he goes, finishes the job, whatever, but then returns to the routine of prison. And then, I don't know, what were your thoughts? I guess that probably is the better place to start. What didn't work for you? Um, Okay, so uh, basically, uh, God, I hope you've seen the movie before you listen to this, but uh, Willem Dafoe is his old uh, war. He was a- um, Major. When they were doing, yeah, when they were doing uh, tortures, he was the one in charge as a uh, civilian who was like teaching them how to do torture methods and um, Oscar Isaac's character got very good at it and then was in some photos that got him arrested and he gets out of prison is working as a uh, card counter doing um, you know, just winning bets, making small money, trying to be anonymous. Uh, Ty Sheridan is the son of someone who was with uh, Oscar Isaac's character and Oscar Isaac takes him under his wing. They like go around, meet Tiffany Haddish's Lalinda. And, well, specifically, uh, let's mention Ty Sheridan's father beat him and his mother. And like, it was very, to- it was like toxic because he had that in him from Wilt- Willem Dafoe's and that like that situation. Yeah. Um, and then they're continuing this life. Ty Sheridan wants to kill Willem Dafoe's character, uh, torture and kill him to get revenge um oscar isaac tries to convince him not to eventually oscar isaac uh pays ty sheridan um 
to go back and see his mom and connect. And instead, Ty Sheridan goes and tries to kill Willem Dafoe, doesn't. And then uh, Oscar Isaac gives up Lalinda and the chance to be like a poker pro and goes and kills Willem Dafoe and goes to jail. Uh, okay, so <laughs> what I don't like about this ending is uh, I guess ultimately I didn't find the connection between Oscar Isaac and Ty Sheridan to have felt long enough and strong enough. Um, I think it's supposed to have been over a year, but it doesn't feel like that. It feels like three weeks. Um, and uh, I think that like some costuming changes or something would have helped like with feeling like, oh, they've been doing this for a while. Um, if he started with short hair and then got the long hair, yeah, would have been great. Yeah, or even just like, you know, have him start cleaning up and being more like Oscar Isaac or something. Um, but ultimately, I just, it really bugs me when people just like go do something that uh, <laughs> you're like, would, would anyone really do that? And I don't think, I don't think Oscar Isaac's character has the uh the drive to go you know um basically mm. he and willem dafoe torture each other to death and i just feel like he would have stayed at the i feel like he would have oh. been so depressed no. and lost but lost the game uh, against and listen i get the metaphor that the card players america and he can't win against america yada yada yada, yada. oh i didn't even know uh, think about that yeah, that's There's... that's like that's like one of the things when i was like watching it the second time i was like oh it's america and he can't win against america and it's like uh that's like so he gives up even fighting against america and just goes and like does his own thing yeah okay i get the reference um there's a, few, there's a few things that I think is interesting what you brought up. Number one, the relationship between him and Ty Sheridan, for me, doesn't matter how much time passed. What it means to him on day one, not, not day one, but like when they first meet and they first really talk about their situations in the diner, I believe it was, to that day, it's exactly the same. It doesn't grow. It's not because he cares really about the kid as a person, but rather what he represents. This kid is a product of the pain that he endured, but also now is about to go and potentially ruin his life and fall down this rabbit hole of anger and this whole ruin his life. And Oscar Isaac sees this and wants to fix this and help him. So the interesting, I mean, I didn't really even consider any issues with how short of a time it felt like they were together because it does feel like only a few weeks um but that's not the point of it it's not like who ty sheridan is but rather like nothing i've been with his personality but rather what the world has dealt him the ironically and not to you know whatever but uh, the, what the cards that he's been dealt and specifically trying to help him play his cards to where he can go on and have a good life and not fall into the same rabbit hole that Oscar Isaac did when he is killed he tries to go back to the card game he does he gets the news and he does go back to the card game but the routine that he's been in that stale routine that just keeps his mind busy to where he doesn't self-destruct it no longer is powerful enough he's directly now been exposed confronted all these emotions have been brought back to him and he feels compelled he can't live with himself and he couldn't begin with he couldn't live with himself and the world around him based on what happened the injustice he faced the injustice he caused he's been stale he's been like just processing and just keeping his mind busy so he doesn't self-destruct 
that's always been in him. So now that it's expanded, now the fact that he doesn't have this 10 years of distance in prison, he's directly back into it and he directly sees this injustice. He has no choice but to confront it and find some level of closure. The closure would have been Ty Sheridan goes, he fixes Ty Sheridan, he puts Ty Sheridan on the right path. But now his only closure is to go confront Willem Dafoe and either he dies and that dies with him or he gets whatever revenge he's seeking. So I really had no issues with that. And I see what you're saying, but I, I find that curious, I guess. I don't know it, if curious is the best word. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I just, to me, it's one of those things where it's like, I think he, the character that they created, I feel like would have just been like really distraught. And, but I don't see him being the kind to go and like seek revenge the same night also it does it just feels a little like movie yeah that like uh willem dafoe goes back home i'm like no he's like fucking off to egypt because he's like someone's after me yeah um, like there's like certain things like that that like uh just feel like okay well i mean sure um i'd be I really also curious just, your opinions on first reformed i don't know if you do you care about spoilers for that movie i know it i know okay. the he does go and he d decides that he's going to blow up the church with everyone in it. I'd be very curious your thoughts on specifically the execution of that then, because I feel like you might have issues with that also. I think so, so. at I, the end he I doesn't, it, which is the difference, well, I guess. Uh, it's the same with um, Taxi Driver, yeah. though. It's the same, like, I just, there's, except that character, I believe is, um, and same with even, like, the Joker. Um, I feel like that character is unstable enough I feel like they introduced Oscar. If they had shown more of Oscar Isaac bubbling under the surface, mm. then like him exploding would have worked. Um, like even when you're talking about them at the diner, if he had done that and then the kid's like, yeah, I still, or when he's looking at houses, uh, when he says um, Google Maps or whatever, if they'd shown Oscar Isaac, like, no, we're not fucking talking about this. If we're not, he's just so calm that I'm like, Really? Yeah. You like went and did this? And then like he's sitting there and calls the police. I'm like, I didn't like that. I agree with that. Sure. I mean, um, <laughs> and also it feels like the ending was tacked on in a weird way. And one of the reasons for that is Oscar Isaac's finger is fully like off. It's like <laughs> there's one of his fingers that's just like hanging by a thread. Um, and oh. then like in the next scene, I was like, where's the scar? And I was like, there's no scar. And it really bugged me. <laughs> I also don't really know uh, the purpose of Tiffany Haddish being there at the end, other than to give that like first man final scene, like I get the shot and like, but thematically, I don't really get what her visiting in prison means. He chose not to be like, he could have at least tried to like not report it. He reported the crime himself. Like he accepted this. So that tragedy of like, oh, I had to give you up. And that relationship isn't even well-defined anyway. They have sex one night. So like, I think that part of the ending was a little bit lackluster. Yeah, for well, me. and see, and I'm the flip side. I felt like their relationship was really strong Ooh. and it bugged me that he would actively give that up without explaining anything to her. And that like, um, <laughs> and not in a way that I like really understand more than I'm just like confused by. Um, Cause I saw that really as like, that's hit. I guess it just, it's your decision on whether or not 
uh, Tiffany Haddish is his redemption or Ty Sheridan. I see it as Tiffany Haddish and Ty Sheridan he's bringing along for the ride. Um, I think it's though he finds the redemption through Ty Sheridan. And then once he has the redemption, he's able to move on with Tiffany Haddish. He's able to move on and go to the world championships of poker or whatever he's going towards. Like he's able to move on past his routine because he's put that behind him because he's found the way to not just cope in the moment to, to feel just okay with himself in the world. So he can have love. He can have a career or a job or whatever, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Well, and I guess then also I'm a little frustrated with Ty Sheridan's character because I understand what it's supposed, that's the thing ultimately is this feel, the ending feels very movie and not inevitable. And that bugs, like whenever I watch something and it feels like a screenwriter is starting to like mess with characters to get to a point, I don't see a situation where Ty Sheridan goes to go kill Willem Dafoe before going and seeing his mom. I understand it. But like, if a guy says, I will come and kill you if you uh, don't go and see your mom, you're going to go see the mom first and then you're going to go. And I understand yeah. for movie's sake, but it's like, I was like, so what is this kid expecting? He's going to go kill him. And he's already told Oscar Isaac. So Oscar Isaac will probably show up mid murder <laughs> sequence. It's just yeah. like, it's, you know, it's like one of those things and I'm not like saying- I don't really that, get why I texted Oscar Isaac. I think that's probably, that doesn't really that's make a, a lot of that's sense. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, especially cause he's wanting to torture him for hours. That <laughs> like, would have been so Oscar- much, that would have been so much better. He does, I mean, the text is like a great moment. I'll give it that, but like- Oh, it's That so would have been uh, so much better if he goes to play, like he's going back to the card game and then he sees like the news of like, oh, intruder broke in. And then like he calls the mom and she's like, oh no, I haven't seen my son or, you know, something along those lines. Like that would have been better, agreed. Yeah, um, but it is a great moment. And uh, it's also the last- line tiffany haddish has which is insane is her like oh nice house and you've built up this character so much just to like mm. throw her aside it feels it felt a little weird uh you know justice for lalinda because um, <laughs> i felt like i felt like they built up this like very interesting character and then we're like yeah she just comes and then and they didn't even her. get they didn't even get the fingers right at the end they're like one is below the other and that bothered the fuck out of me i was like oh my god um really justice for lalinda i agree 100 (laughs) percent um yeah no it's and i didn't dislike it it's just there's like parts that just um kind of bugged me a little bit but overall i i enjoyed it a lot um i think it's i think it's really great i mean i've watched it twice and it went up my second rating Nick saw it twice in uh, one letter- day at Venice, which I think is madness at a film festival to see something twice in one day. But so they liked it over there at least. So, yeah, um, no, and I, I definitely think it's like fantastic. Um, but it'll be curious to see. Uh, I feel like it's okay. I actually I'll ask you. Um, do you think it has any uh, Oscar-y? I like how you always ask me as if I'm the fucking force. No, I don't think it does. I mean, Paul Schrader doesn't have a great history of the Academy. It's coming out super early, getting very mixed reactions, which I don't get. And not to sound like snooty, I genuinely am like, if you love First Reformed and hated this, you genuinely just like First Reformed because it was popular to like. Like, it's basically the same movie in a lot of ways. Um, But I, I just, I don't see anything. I guess like if there was one, the screenplay is like technically possible. 
Oscar Isaac, if it's a weak acting year, technically possible. Um, I don't see it happening though. Yeah, I I I I see a um I could see best original screenplay. Um I also think that it's just the Schrader of it all. Um and he's Which, made like, a lot of enemies to be fair like he's had a hard time getting the academy ever right like but he's made a lot of enemies and very you know if you post some of the stuff he posts on facebook you know live and die by it but um you know he's not necessarily the most popular guy i don't know if next time he comes around with a feature even if it's fantastic which i fully assume it will be I don't know if it's going to necessarily be as easy for him to make another feature or get rewarded for it um, as it has been. Yeah, no, it's, it's a really, uh, it's an annoying thing uh, as someone who uh, was a big fan of the early 2000s and Woody Allen stuff is like, when you know that someone that you <laughs> is doing good work um, is a piece of shit, you're just like, oh, well, the, uh, <laughs> luckily, Schrader's not quite on Alan level, but definitely, oh, I, I, see what you, I see what you mean. <laughs> it's just like, it's the same thing of just like, I've already invested in certain movies, and I can definitely see people like, even like retroactively being like, first of form wasn't good. And it's like, don't. Oh, yeah. Oh, I 100% <laughs> like, think that's half the response card counter is why it's yeah. like, why it's negative is because people, number one, didn't probably like first reform and say they did. But number two, it's because now they don't like Schrader. I mean, you see it. Yeah. Like, I think Woody Allen's probably the best example there. You have people retroactively being like, all his films are shit. And it's like, well, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe each one isn't a hit out, you know, a home run, but there's some really good ones in there. So Same yeah. With and Polanski though. So. Oh yeah, it's just it's a it's a frustrating thing, and um, to especially now that I'm gonna like go back and be like, okay, I should go watch First Reform. Maybe I will like it. I'm very curious about First Reform. Uh, I don't. I'm kind of surprised you like this. To be honest, I was like, I this is this is it's weird because like it's less universal in themes, but I think it's more universal in um or like digestible in presentation. I'm very curious your thoughts on First Reformed. I, I think yeah. you're gonna hate it. But I, you might like it. I really don't know, I guess, at this point. Um, Card Counter really, I mean, Card Counter surprised me. Um, and it surprised me that I was able to watch it twice and be uh, completely mm. engrossed. Because I cannot over-describe how bored I am during Taxi Driver. The only scenes I really like are the scenes between Robert De Niro and Sybil Shepard, um, who I find to be a very interesting character. Again, weirdly, Schrader writes really good women. Um, like both times it's been like, yeah, the guys are whatever, but like the women are like so interesting because they're supposed to be just sex objects, but they don't really like the person particularly, but they're interested. It's just like a well-written, like, you know, reformed role. It's it's juicy. Uh, It's juicy. uh, All right. You don't love Seyfried, do you? I'm thinking of someone else. Uh, no, I have no opinions on Seyfried. Um, the mank. She was, yeah, she was good in Mank. Well, best uh, part, Mank. <laughs> but yeah, uh, overall, I really liked this. It's currently in my top five. Um, by the way, my top five for 2021, or my top 10, is insane. Because Freedom. like this year, okay, let's see. Currently, I have I have from Letterboxd is like, here's what you have. Um, number one is Nine Days. Number two is Mass. Number three is uh, Barb and Star. Number four is Zack Snyder's Justice League. 
Number five is the card counter. <laughs> number six is Black Widow. Number seven is Bull. Number eight is Cruella. Number nine is Escape Room Tournament of Champions. <laughs> As yep, okay. Like it is. It's just like complete chaos until we get some movies that are like you know. What is your least favorite of the year? Do you have that uh, on you? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, let me see. One second. <sighs> least favorite of the year. Okay, I'm clicking on the half stars. Um, oh God, there were so many bad movies this year. Um, but I'm gonna guess it's gonna stay Annette. Ooh, um, okay. <laughs> movie I liked. Okay. Although, <laughs> um, although a high second is um, Bliss which is a movie from the guy who did um, Another Earth, Mike Cahill, um, and then I Origins. I don't know if you saw those. No. Uh, I was thinking it would be really fun for us on the podcast uh, because we probably watched other movies that we didn't talk about, uh, both good and bad for like towards the end of the year to be like, here are the movies you guys should watch because they're either the worst or the best. Um, this is garbage it's um we're gonna do a recap of a 2020 cool. recap or 2021 yeah, uh, recap slash 2022 preview so what we cool. can do that uh, there yeah uh because do you count Owen music Will as did you see music uh i isn't that 2020 it's not on my list um uh, oh i didn't rate it as a half star okay i don't rate anything uh where i previously worked with the person who okay. created it um, if they're just starring in it, I don't care. Um, but if they're like part of the creative crew, like the main, definitely had uh, to, definitely had to just brag quickly that you worked with Sia. <laughs> definitely yeah. had to throw that one in there. Uh, uh, yeah, no, uh, my former boss Sia. Um, I cannot uh, review her work. Um, That's my current LOL. bottom one. I would say. Uh, yeah, no, I, I also wouldn't put it at the bottom because there is one sequence that uh is like halfway through mm -hmm. and um it's song mountains from uh her lsd like her connection with uh labyrinth and diplo that is just like fucking incredible and i was like so into it and i was it's, like the only reason i gave it a star over half a star yeah um like it's so wild because i was so bored and then all of a sudden mountains comes on a, the song fucks. B, it's just like a great sequence. And then, okay, we're back to the movie. And that was like so frustrating because if Sia had done something where she just focused less on trying to win an Oscar, which is definitely what she thought she was doing there, and just like made a kick-ass like music movie, would have been like, okay, yeah, we can do this. Um, just give us excuses to go to like your entire, write your own jukebox musical, Sia. Oh my god, um, there's so many artists. If they did that, that'd be fucking amazing. I I okay, oh especially <laughs> if you're not gonna get a Super Bowl halftime because the halftime show is basically that. But like if you don't get you, if you're not gonna get your own Super Bowl halftime show, or you really want to go into the deep cuts and do like a full hour to 90 minute feature, that'd be fucking amazing. Yeah. Well, which is why, like, you know, as much as I don't particularly like the Elton John movie, it like was a great um like idea. I just think it something went wrong somewhere in there. Um, the think, rocket, the rocket man sequence is baller. Oh yeah, but other than uh, that, probably I would agree. <laughs> I I think the other problem, uh, with, 
this is our review of Card Counter, if you have forgotten. Um, the other problem with the Elton John movie, which it's I like we're just calling it the Elton. It's called Rocket it's Man. Rocket it's just Man. called Rocket uh, Man. <laughs> the Elton John Rocket Man um, <laughs> is just like, um, it's the same problem I have with American Crime Story impeachment right now is do not let people who have a bone to pick with certain characters allowed anywhere near the writing process. Uh, Monica Lewinsky should not be able to (laughs) write her own story. I understand the concept, but like they're tearing Linda Tripp to bits. And it's like, Linda Tripp is a nuanced character. She is not a like, you know, circus freak. You'll see. Uh, when you it watch wasn't it. Bohemian <laughs> Rhapsody, at least. So I'll give Rocket Man that. I was grateful for that, at least. Um, um, card Counter yeah. right now is my number seven of the year. Bring it back to Card Counter. I really enjoyed it. Mass in nine days is my 10 and 11. I need to revisit Mass. I'm so excited for it to come out soon. I'm I watching, think. I, yeah, I'm watching it like three times in a row. <laughs> oh my gosh. Very excited for it. Great. I'm just going to sit there and ball the entire time yeah fully i also fully super excited for flea to come so excited for you to see flea uh some good shit. what else so what's your top 10 uh those are basically the only ones you would i mean i have flea the rest of these are probably not going to mean anything to anyone captains of zatari uh the sleeping negro roadrunner a film about anthony bourdain number four loved that one. Oh, i meant to see that a lot of people shit on it, and I definitely get complaints with the voice because they use an artificial voice um, to sound I'm like him. But it's like fucking really profound. I thought, like, not it's. Well, I don't. I never watched his show, so I don't really care about the guy. No offense, but like, it's his, it but it's his diary, this, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I don't care. Yeah. Like, whatever. And it just turns into like it goes beyond him, which I guess for a biopic, you know, le- go, you know, you can hate that about it if you want, but like it turns into this really profound look at like what fame, like if you have fame, money, and you want to, tr- and you can travel wherever you want, like that doesn't fix your issues or doesn't make you happy, and it's just really profound. I thought. Um, then I have a radiant girl, the worst person in the world, the card counter, the hole in the fence, life in a day, twenty twenty, and then mass. That's my top ten. Um, the funniest part about. You saying hole in the fence? I always think you're talking about John in the hole. Um, no, that's completely different. <laughs> is that my t- is that my bottom ten? Let's quickly see. Did you see it? No, I really wanted to. Um, it's out. Fantasia now. was Fantasia was very rude to me um, during the last couple of weeks in that both the app stopped working and also they just stopped responding to any of my requests. That's for embarrassing. I, I saw it at Sundance, not Fantasia. So um, well, I uh. could have seen it at Sundance, but I didn't want to spend the $14 because I forgot to sign up for Sundance. Yeah, me too. Um, I was in the same boat, but I thought it was going to be good. <laughs> I thought it was going to be good. It's not my bottom 10, but it's definitely in the Listen, bottom tier of my list. Um, my Another one of my bottoms is uh, our hashtag J, oh. which I am shocked no one's bought yet. Um, it showed at Sundance. It's a uh, all-screen <laughs> version of Romeo and Juliet, and it is a camp classic. I like how, considering uh, the reception it's gotten, I like how you're like, no one has bought, no one's bought the terrible movie that everyone hated. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm surprised because if Netflix bought it, you would be sitting there and it'd be like the number one movie for like three weeks in a row, and we'd be just really embarrassed. Netflix would be the only um, one who could buy it because they like yeah. they just put shit out, but then people appreciate it as shit. It's very wild. Um, um, I yeah. I also think that uh, you could have gotten away with um, HBO Max um, with their like CW push 
Um, I will say these but, people who have, was it like strictly, did it feel like COVID? Like that's why they did screen whatever? No, no, okay. it, it's just dumb. They're like social media stars who, and they're like rival social media stars or something. I don't, I okay. vaguely remember it. I just remember like I'd had a couple drinks and I put it on and I was like, this is insane. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, just because they are also doing full Shakespeare. So it's like actors who can barely act doing Shakespeare into a phone <laughs> feels like a fever dream. Um, I, actually I love it. Yeah. And I can't wait for it to come out again. And I will watch it like seven times. Um, I will say complete side note because there's been a lot of screen life things that like clearly like are defined by like, oh, it's during lockdown. Language Lessons was this type of film that I just watched. Um, and there's a bunch of like COVID inspired films. They need a release now. You can, I've learned, you cannot wait already. I'm so done with these films. Like in a year or two, I'm never going to go back to these films. Like you need to release these like this moment or else they're dead. I don't yeah. think lockdown, it was like, lockdown restrictions with on cinema is something that's going to age well at all um well on that note speaking of netflix why don't we head over to netflix with kate i didn't watch this one i've been busy at film festivals paul you take it away i don't know anything about kate i have literally no clue what this film is i don't know if it's good or bad explain it go for it okay so netflix has started this new kick on like female john wicks and they're throwing every star that might be the next female John Wick at the wall and saying like, hey, is this uh, is this anything? Guys, you like this? Um, and the answer is a resounding no, um, because you can't make like the thing that works about John Wick is it's specifically the people involved. Um, you know, nobody almost got there. Um, there's some aspects I liked about that, but I think it's the same people as John Wick. Um, if I remember correctly. So like, <laughs> this is just basically, um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, uh, playing the Huntress in the role of Harley Quinn in, uh, the Birds of Prey movie. Like the exact same thing down to like, she meets a little girl who is involved in everything and now takes care of her and takes her under her wing, but they don't really like each other, but they eventually do. Um, the basic plot is just uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character, Kate, is drugged uh, with um, a large dose of radioactive material and is dying of cancer and has to go take down the people who poisoned her before she dies. And uh, the concept sounded really cool. I was really excited to watch it. And the trailer looked fine. Um, but it's just, it's so bland. And it's the same as, it's the exact same feeling to me as uh, a movie you watched, Gunpowder Milkshake. Um, Didn't you also watch that? <laughs> Yeah, I did. I was just saying, like, oh, okay. I was trying to pull you back. In. I was trying to pull <laughs> you like, back into the conversation. Don't put that one on me. That was not my thing. I hated that film. Uh, no, I, I keep, um, like, I keep expecting these to be better. Um, but there's a reason that, like, you know, uh, these are like going to Netflix. They're just not particularly good. I think there was one other that they just did, Bolt or something, um, which I did not watch. But it's just like the same movie again and again and again. This one is very confusing um, in that 
it looks expensive and it's really violent, but it's also like very dull. Um, this was one where I was like wanting to click that 1.5 the whole time. I did not, but uh, it's also got Woody Harrelson, who I don't particularly find a good actor, um, especially I in love his Woody. Paycheck. Oh, I didn't know he <laughs> Woody was in it. Uh, yeah, it's not going to watch his... it still, but that's you know good it's... for him, <laughs> especially in his paycheck roles. Um, but yeah, uh, oh, so he's giving and he's giving end credit scene of Venom level. Got it. Yeah. Oh, if. Does he have a like, wig on like that one, though? A clown wig? Uh, no, he, but he has a really terrible hat at one point. Um, but Eliz- uh, like Mary Elizabeth Winstead deserves to be a star, um, but they should just put her back into Huntress and give her her own movie. Um, that's where I sit on this because this is not working. <laughs> um, and yeah, I was just very bored. I don't have much to say because I don't want to get into spoilers because this movie doesn't even deserve spoilers. Damn. Um, to ha- well, not just, I don't need to have like a spoiler conversation for something. Also, uh, I will say actually mild spoilers, very impressive that this is not setting up for like multiple sequels. Um, like, it definitely has an ending. I don't. That means think it's, it's gonna ending. get. That means they want to get a prequel out of it. Got it. <laughs> that's what. That's what I literally was like. I finished it. I was like, "Wow, oh, okay, um, good wrap up, I guess." Um, Can you fucking oh, believe prequels? Have prequels on Netflix. We're gonna get an Army of Thieves fucking prequel like next month. I, I hate it. I'm cannot. Gonna, I'm crying because we have to. We have to talk about it. But well, yeah, like, especially because it's uh, my favorite. Uh, it just came out like a few months ago. <laughs> the first one. How are we already yeah. getting another one? Because they're not related at all. Um, like, I'm sorry. And especially because the guy died in it. Oh, God. Um, sorry. Spoiler for Army of the Dead. Um, but yeah. Uh, no, just don't watch this one. Um, I would watch Gunpowder Milkshake over this one. This one was rough. And I didn't like Gunpowder Milkshake. Um, watch Kill Bill. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a movie that you'd enjoy more. Um, but like, oof, there has not been. I, too fair. I don't imagine it's probably hard to just name a film that's better than this by the sounds of it. Well, no, I'm just trying to name like something that like has the same vibe. Um, I was trying to think of something. Did you like Atomic first. Blonde? I did not like Atomic Blonde. Okay. I don't like. Okay, here's. You know what? I'm gonna go with Black Widow. Watch Black Widow. God. I, about to say, I don't like spy movies. And then I was like, I like Blanc Widow. Um, yeah. So that's my thing. Uh, as the Q-Force. Marvel of the month. <laughs> Q-Force. <laughs> Watch Q-Force instead. It's on Netflix. Uh, yeah. Thank God. Uh, okay. Uh, what's next? What do we got? Well, we have our last one. I, yeah, I'm still going to say Malignant. That's just how I see it. I'm sorry, everyone. Malignant. Sorry. Malig- it's ma- malignant. 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 Fuck it. I'm going like to call malignant. it bad. I'm going to call it bad movie by James One. Um, <laughs> I'm going to start us off here, but I, I, I Wait, what the fuck? Is it, one, is it one or one? One. It's just, what do you mean? James. It's James One. James One or James One? One. Why would it be One. <laughs> But like, also, that sounds exactly the same. One or one. I'm looking it up. I've been. One second. 
we've on the Clappercast podcast network said one for the past year. So I, it'd be really tragic if it wasn't this entire time. <laughs> Wait for it. James Wan. Wan. Okay. James well, Wan. James Wan. Um, Wan. <laughs> <we've>, look, <laughs> here's what I'll say. We've been big fans of James whatever on the podcast uh, this year. I'll speak for myself personally. And I've talked to Jack. We've talked to Nicola. We've talked to Jakob about it. We like a lot of his films. I think he's a true horror icon. Love Saw. I hate him. Love Conjuring. Hate him. The, the rest are fine. But when it was going to be that he's doing another horror film that's not part of a franchise, obviously that is an exciting thing. And I was severely, severely disappointed by this one. But Paul, I'll turn it over to you to get to why you don't like it. Because I know you had some very, let's say, strong thoughts on uh, Malignant or whatever it's called. Malignant. Um, it's malignant, I went to like... speech therapy. You can't make fun of me. Oh, I can. Um, and you do so, every episode. So uh, here's the thing. I, while I was watching this movie, I was like, hmm, this is weird because I like so many of his movies. And then I go and look and I haven't given anything above a three ever. Um, and most of them are in two and a half to one half stars. Um, I think he's a, a, a hack and I don't like any of his stuff. Um, I think that he is not particularly inventive and I could not name even his biggest fans could not name like a directorial style. Um, they're just like, wait, oh, it's what? Like, oh, go for it. Go for it. What, Shit, what is this director? His... What do you mean? What is it? Directorial style. You don't what? look at, you don't look at sequences and shots in films that he makes and like that's And very feel James like it's, a, no, really? No, I do not. You have no, the whole, uh, there's very, like, very like distinct choices within the cinematography and angling and framing of various scenes that feel very James Wan. No, not at all. Very strange. Uh, I, yeah, so I don't particularly like him. And then I'd heard that this was like, a super gross, disgusting, uh, you know, uh, Galeo style film. And I was like, all right, let's do this. Let's get into it. Um, here's the thing. Flashback. I don't like horror. I thought once I find out that like, actually no one's watched any horror and I've watched hundreds and hundreds of horror movies. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I guess I have watched a lot of horror and do love it, but I don't like Saw. So like when people are like, do you like horror? I'm like, I don't like Saw. And they're like, oh, I guess you don't like horror then. Um, I don't like Hostel. I don't like Rob Zombie movies. I don't like violence. I don't like seeing like people hurt in ways that aren't fun. Um, so like, you know, if it's just going to be like torture, whatever. Um, when they have to saw their it. legs off and saw, you don't think that's fun? Crazy. No, I don't. I don't find, I don't find it particularly <laughs> like it just, it doesn't work for me. So anyway. Um, but I've watched a lot of gonzo horror, like really like just like going fucking batshit wild. So when people said this was batshit wild, I had an expectation. This is not batshit wild, guys. It's fine. It's a little crazy, but it's not like <laughs> we have movies coming up on the uh, podcast for October that like blow this out of the water in terms of like insanity. Um, and so I'm just a little like, okay. And that's all it is, is like, it all leads up to one review. Like when you hear people talk about it, they're like, oh my God, the last 30 minutes or whatever. 
but um, <laughs> everything leading up to it is a very boring, very bland ghost story that uses the same mechanics he uses in the Conjuring movies um, and Insidious and all of those kind of movies. And you're just like, okay, I, I guess. And then it has a twist that isn't as wild as it could have been. Um, it isn't as grotesque as it could have been and feels just like we're also starved for something a little crazy, but like, that's only because this is the mainstream one. Like go watch some like Shudder originals and then come back to me about like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. Like you can put on pretty much anything on Shudder and find things that are as wild as this. Um, and outside of that, the acting's really poor. Um, I think the directing's a little cheesy at points so that like the dialogue is silly. Um, it just, it doesn't really do much for me. And that's really disappointing because I am like, I'm watching people who like it and I'm like, I feel like I'm supposed to be part of this target audience. And it just didn't work for me. Like I love so bad it's good. But then we could talk about camp. And like, uh, this is something that I have very strong feelings about. You know, John Waters says, you have to have very good taste to have bad taste. You can't just do camp and be like, eh, it's camp. It's like, you have to understand what camp is and using some of the tools of camp and then uh, going back to even Q-Force, same thing, uh, different, completely different genre, same basic thing. You can't just do uh, camp and be like, this is camp without really understanding it. Otherwise you're like, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, Hadid dressing up saying, looking camp right in the eye, which eventually became camp because it's such bad taste. Um, it's that kind of thing, but like, this is just like, oh yeah, I did some crazy stuff. I had really dumb dialogue. Isn't that camp? No, it's not. Um, and that's my, that's my feeling on it. See, this was not that interesting. <laughs> number one, I'll say this is not camp because it's not trying to be, it's trying to take itself seriously. And even if it works as camp, at most it's trying to be like a parody, but it's not trying to be. I feel very strongly like when I heard everyone saying it's trying to be this, it might be for some people, it's so bad, it's good. But I think very clearly that's not the intention here. Um, I went in with very different expectations. I heard no one talk about this film at all, other than Paul who texted the group chat, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. It's so bad. <laughs> to the point where we had to send spoilers in Invisible Ink, which I didn't read before I watched the movie. Um, but he he really you really hyped up how terrible this was. So I went in ready for just like batshit insane craziness that's terrible. And I ended up like watching the first, let's say, seven-eighths of the film. And it's fine. It's nothing incredible. I, it feels like a very well directed you're missing, and very you're missing well made the horror film. Go ahead. But you're skipping over the first scene. The first scene yes. oh, okay. you wrote to be about. Fair. To be fair. Because like, no, I think that that's crazy. really important to like, the first scene I think is really important to like set up like the coasting you have to do. The first scene is like balls to the wall insane. It like has a security guard break his arm, the no. bones hanging out. And yeah, it's she goes like, you've been a bad boy, Gabriel. Okay. Now it's time to cut out the cancer. And like, it's yeah. very campy. And I was like, okay, this is the movie we're getting. No. And then it goes to a standard ghost story for another hour and a half. Well, hold on. Because the first, it's not camp. 
very clearly due to the relevance, not to spoil the film, but due to the relevance of the scene that is we have to cut out the cancer, that is attempting to be a genius line that's going to come back later. That is not attempting to be a camp scene. They're taking it seriously. They think that's good. And it's not. It's fucking atrocious. You open this hospital. There's a monster attacking people. You don't really see the monster. You don't know what's going on. But then they drag this kid. You see the feet. You drag this kid. They, like, tie him to the chair. She says, you've been a very bad boy, Gabriel, which is fucking crazy and hilarious. But then she says, we have to cut out the cancer. But that line is very important. Not to get into spoilers, but just know it's important. Then you go, like you said, to this horror film that's very generic. There's this woman. She hits her head. Her husband, like, beats her up. And she starts seeing deaths of people. And you get to know that it has something to do with Gabriel. It's Gabriel in this monster form that looks amazing. The shadow creature in this is fantastic. It's, like I said, a very well-directed, very well-made Shutter original. But then they introduce some elements. They reveal more and more. You can create a theory of what's happening. I created a theory. They seemingly confirm it. And I really loved the direction they were going. I was like, this is great. Sure, I think the film itself is rather boring. I don't think it's like a good horror film. You know, like I said, I think it's a Shutter original for all the flaws specifically of what that means traditionally. But then you get to the ending, which is where like it gets batshit insane. They recontextualize some things. They add on to some things. And I hated it because it doesn't work in any way. It's not just stupid, but thematically, it's so much less interesting than what they were building towards. Like on every level, I hated this final eighth of the film so much. But up until then, it's not good. I don't think it's ever a great horror film or a great film, but like it was passable. It was weaker for James Wan, but it was passable for the genre. And then it just became terrible. Uh, you also skipped over another line of dialogue, which I do think is the only part of true camp um, is when Jake Abel, she's talking about like her miscarriages and he says, how many times do I have to watch my children die inside of you? Um, which is like so insane a line that that's not camp. That's trying camp. to be. That's trying to be good though. It's not trying it, to be camp. It 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 follows that line, it, I, and I will give it. I will give that one particular line. I was like, that's. It did not work in our audience. Oh, by the way, a um, couple things. Uh, this is related, but um, we had I want to say fifteen to twenty people walk out of this movie. Not just at the f- twist, um, just across the board, like throughout the movie, people are just leaving, uh, which is wild to me. And that was the biggest thing is like, I was shocked that so many people were getting such a strong reaction from this movie before the twist, because I'm like, they must just not like the modern horror genre that much. Like they must just not watch Shudder because like it feels so standard that people are having a strong reaction either way of loving or hating it. I was like shocked that people could even have that strong. I mean, opinion. Anna, Annabelle Wallace is a really bad actress. Fair. <laughs> like, I think it's that not that's... good. Agreed. But like to but have just... 20 people walk out of a screening. Yeah. Uh, uh, when the twist happened, we did have a like single filing of about five to 10. It was wild. Cause I was sitting in the little corner um, in the um, companion of wheelchair seats that you can take if no one else does. And uh, I just constantly got to watch people like leave. And I was like, oh, they're going to come back with popcorn reader. They never came back. 
Um, like they just, they completely just ditched. Um, but also I think that that's just happening a lot in movies right now. Um, I've had at least two people leave from every screening I've been to since I want to say May. Um, I just think people are like, nah, I'm good. I don't need to see this anymore. I think also the AMC just like letting you like get free movies. You'll just go see like half a movie or whatever. Um, but yeah. Also, like this is available on HBO Max if you want to finish it off at home. Also, you went to a pretty late screening, to be fair. So, like, I could see, like, it's not good. You're not feeling it. You're tired. Let's just go home. We'll, like, get drunk and finish it, or we won't finish it at all. Like, I definitely could see it. But that yeah. still feels like a wildly high number for that. Um, so, I guess get into spoilers. Go for it. Okay. So, um, a little dictionary definition for you. Malignant is like tumor. Um, so <laughs> I'm Google, not when you type in the movie's title on the Google images, it'd be like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the thing was like, so I was pretty sure what this was gonna be. And then um I thought it was coming out on Thursday night. It did not, so I just decided to um read the comic it's based on, which is called Malignant Man. Uh, and it's written by James Wan. And uh, it's about a superhero. Wait, it's written by him? Yeah. Oh, God. So this is not an old situation. Got it. No, 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 no. <laughs> and the only thing that's... So what it's about is this guy has cancer and um, he's going to die. And he gets shot in the head trying to save a woman and his cancer stops and his malignant wakes up, which is this little alien that came from a spaceship that crawled into his brain and attached and gives him superpowers. And then he fights against the people who put the alien in his brain. And he's like, just, he's a superhero. It's very standard superhero fare after that point. Um, so I was ready for a little alien crawled into her brain. That is not what happens. The only thing that's similar to this is that the um, malignant, in this case, Gabriel, um, is woken up by extreme violence against the, the main character. And um, it basically Gabriel is her twin brother who is attached to the back of her head. And when she was a kid, they cut chunks of him off and then they couldn't cut all of him because it would kill her. So they shoved the rest of him back in her brain. And then he falls asleep until she gets hit on the head. And then she rips open her skull yes. and then he takes over her body, flips her backwards and kills a bunch of people. Couple problems. <laughs> A, uh, I don't understand how her body could be broken every night like that and her not be constantly sore. Like it doesn't, it's just like something that like was- really Oh, that's your me. issue. Well- <laughs> Got it. My biggest issue okay. is like, if we're going to like follow that line of thought, it's like, oh, she's been doing this every single night and she's like gotten all broken and screamed and ripped her head open and she forgets every night. Like, I don't understand what they were trying to say. Because um, even like- when her husband's murdered, um, 
Also, Jake Abel, please get a new agent. Like, I liked you in uh, Percy Jackson, and your entire career is just asshole for the rest of it. Um, like, I was really expecting him to be in this more than one scene. Um, he's, like, completely useless in this outside of hitting her head. Um, but uh, they the police say that it happened from behind, which means it was Gabriel breaking her hands and doing all that stuff. And she's just fine the next day. She doesn't notice, which doesn't make sense for when she like is supposed to have woken up. Why did she wake up and understand what's happening? And, you know, because that's been happening every single night. Um, it's just a little like, it's like one of those things that's like annoying in like story format of like i have an idea here's some like setting side um uh, breadcrumbs throughout the story and then once you get to it you're like yeah but those breadcrumbs like don't really like add up to like a plot um yeah and overall yeah it's creepy and it's dumb looking but it's also like the wrong movie um it gets to where it's more like a like kung fu like i said it was like babadook meets bruce lee um it doesn't really like it's not scary and it's not crazy enough to be just like crazy i don't know it just doesn't work for me i'm curious about your opinions yeah i guess my issue is just like it's stupid right because yeah. like and that's probably my <laughs> biggest issue with it because they introduced this like oh it's her imaginary friend which i was like oh great because i that's why i predicted and i was like that's interesting how do you beat your imaginary friend like does this come from trauma like it, it, there was something there that i thought was really like interesting both thematically and just like fresh it felt fresh and then they're like, no, it's really your twin brother. And then they showed like the Voldemort Harry Potter one on his back. And I just saw Harry Potter one in theater. So it was really like, oh, I'm back into it. Um, and it <laughs> looks horrendous. It looks like child, like laughably bad. And it just is handled so poorly. And it's just like, huh, there really was something here for like a hot second that almost made it work. And then they just totally erased it and gave us this stupid ending. And it was just, I hated it. Like, I can't express enough how much I think this is a worthless, like one of the worst twist endings maybe of all time. Cause it just ruined anything good in the film that wasn't already good, you know? It's See, well, and I, yeah. And I'm just, even like they talk about in the flashback when they're like, uh, Gabriel's getting too powerful. And I was like, with those little weak arms, like, why did you, <laughs> you know, they cut and him And he up. can talk through the radio. Don't, don't, you know, oh, don't yeah. lessen also, him. Oh, yeah, also he has electricity powers. But also the um, point of talking through a radio, like, let's also be very clear. The thing with the radio is that it's switching channels and it finds the words. Not the case here. The radio is just a walkie-talkie. Like, there's yeah. no, the gimmick well, of why also, use a radio is not used in this film. He he also destroys a... um. A man's pacemaker. Yeah, he also uh, makes multiple phone calls. Yeah, <laughs> he also talks so yeah. much. I was not expecting so much conversation, but like a whole plot of all these people dying and some are getting kidnapped and all the stuff that's happening. It's just not particularly like interesting. It feels so like yeah. I also am very curious to see all these people who are raving about its second watch of this because uh, people are loving it. People are calling of, this a revelation. People are like, James yeah. Wan did it again. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I know. 
and people like people that I agree with usually are like loving it. And I get why I get that if you went in and thought it was a ghost story and then it goes crazy. But I think a second watch is going to be so boring because you know what? The kills aren't that particularly good when uh, Gabriel takes over. Also, they're like randomly killing like these 70s disco strippers. I don't know what's going on in that room. Like every single person in this woman's prison is just like an insane person. <laughs> um, and it's like, it's just, it's not particularly interesting. I don't, I don't love all of that violence. That was gross, but like not in a, oh, it's gross to me. Like, you know, so I don't like it. It just also doesn't really fit the movie. I don't yeah. know. It's I think just, it just struck uh, me how bored I was during it. That was my main thing is because you really hyped this up and I was like, okay, at least it's going to be something interesting. And like, it was just so boring. And maybe it was because I mean, I've spent all week doing film festival stuff and I've just seen fucking countless features. But like, this was so just boring to sit through. I like hate, like, could, I, I hated this movie. I really like, the more I talk about it, the more irredeemable I think it is. Like other than the visuals that, you know what, actually don't even always look good. The monster looks good. In the beginning, it, I was like, why the fuck does this look like a horrible Shutter original? Like the lighting is completely off. It looks so forced and fake. So like even the visuals are not competent throughout the film. There's just like oh select my moments where it's okay and Wait. actually quite good. We haven't talked about the most insane part of this entire movie. <laughs> wilder than her ripping out is the fact that they have this like off-brand version of pixies of where is my mind mm. that they play on repeat throughout this movie <laughs> which like i had already read the comic so i knew the twist uh and just hearing where is my mind it was like mm, do you get it and like okay the thing is, I will say that I got this spoiled by reading the comic. I kind of wish I hadn't because maybe I would have like liked it 2% more. I still wouldn't have liked it. But I do think like if I was trying to figure out the twist and then got to it, if anything, I was a little disappointed that it wasn't a little alien bug that lives in the spider brain um, and it was just some twin. But uh, yeah, no, where is my mind? It's so many campy, like the amount of like, oh yeah, that's a, uh, a huge red flag is like kind of embarrassing to me that people are like it's so surprising it's like you didn't figure out cut out the cancer malignant and where is my mind playing every five seconds also like I mean to be obviously fair. to I'm be fair I don't think many would have predicted the Voldemort baby fetus thing on the back of her head. I think that's probably a little bit out there. Uh, I don't blame him for not getting that. <laughs> I do. And also because it makes logical sense that it's the imaginary friend and then they fucking confirm it. <laughs> like that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, uh, when they go to her like stepmom and they have like poor McKenna Grace having to do really terrible acting and they're like, why don't you cut this cake? <laughs> it's actually your mom's stomach um yeah no it just it didn't it and yeah when we're talking about malignant seven in a couple of years like um <laughs> i hope uh, so we'll be like yeah you know i'm just i'm surprised they did the same twist again but uh, wow, James Wan, what a what a star. What a <laughs> Yo, one of these times the the twin is gonna have a twin on the back of their head is gonna be like inception, like three or four Ooh, of them. Ooh, I like it. Like uh it's gonna be um those like um 
Russian dolls. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, I hated this film. Well, I think I'm done with the Malignant. Are you? Yeah, I am too. Well, that's going to be it for the feature films of this week and our TV show, actually. Let's not forget Q-Force. Let's go into our recommendations for the week. Mine, I've been at, like I said, film festivals basically all week uh, watching too many releases. Um, but one film I did catch up with because I started the Letterbox Season Challenge. I always start it and then three weeks in, I don't do it anymore. It's very fun. Um, but I watched Robert Altman's California Split, 1974, um, about two guys who go and they love basically gambling and they have a friendship and they just keep gambling bigger and bigger. A lot of people say it's like uncut gems. It's not like uncut gems. That's just them like not being competent enough with the cinematic space to compare it to anything else just because it like has gambling. Um, I think this is quite good. George Siegel is generally giving like one of the best performances I think of all time. The ending is quite powerful. I think it wanders a bit here and there, but you know, it is, I'm not a huge Robert Altman fan, just being honest, but I think this one really is quite good. Like I really was impressed by this. Um, I think it's gone under the radar and talk about card counter. Also talking about great casino gambling films. I think California split is quite solid. Uh, what is your recommendation this week, Paul? Okay, so since we're talking about Shutter Originals a lot, um, I don't think this was an original. I think it was an acquisition. Um, but I'm going to say Superhost um, came out this year, and it's basically about uh, these two travel vloggers who go and stay at like houses that are like the highest rated and the nicest houses, and they go stay at one with this other girl that's about their age who is psychotic. And the movie's not particularly good. It's fine. But uh, the girl who plays the host uh, is Grace Phipps. Her uh, character's name is Rebecca. And her performance is so insane um, that it's like enough fun to watch. Um, I've had a lot of people say it's similar to uh, Creep, which is a movie who, that came out a few years ago. I have not seen it. It's on my list. But um no, this fuck Creep. Be... You, you won't like Creep. Probably watch Creep 2. Creep 2 is like God tier, but continue. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she's just absolutely crazy in this. And um, I was just having like a really fun time. I watched so many. So, you know, I think I've mentioned my terrible movie Tuesdays. Um, so I try to watch like a horror movie like once a week with friends. And this was the first one in a while that I was like, you know what? That was that was fun. Um, and it felt like it was supposed to be what it was. Um, and yeah, uh, the acting from everyone else is really terrible though. And Barbara Crampton shows up again, Barbara Crampton, one of these years is going to end up like as my number one, most watched actor. And it's only because she cameos in literally everything. I think already she's been in like four movies I've seen this year. And I like, don't seek her out. I'm never like, Ooh, Barbara Crampton's in this. I'm always like Barbara Crampton's in this. <laughs> She was in uh, King Knight, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. Um, she was the mom. I did not, but I did like that movie. She's, good she's from Re she's from Reanimator. That's like her big thing. And then from then on, she's been put in every movie. She's the same as uh, Lynn Shay, um, in that like she's a horror movie icon. So people like put them in, and they like roles, so they'll do anything. Uh, <laughs> so that's my. That's my statement. Cool. Uh, yeah, well, but I liked oh. it. Cool. That's it. Well, that's going to be it for this episode of Clappercast. Where can you find you on social media, Paul? 
I am at Price Like Tag on Twitter and Letterboxd. And you can find me on Twitter at BP underscore movie reviews, Letterbox Carson Tamar. Thank you so much for listening. New episodes of Clappercast release every single Wednesday. Next week, don't worry, Alina will be back. We'll hear everything about Tiff and how that went. Uh, you can check out her vlogs on the Patreon. First one is up right now when we're recording this. More will be when this is actually uploaded. Um, the first one was fun. Started with her having a great day and end crying in a bedroom alone. So like that was definitely and it, you know, it's just a day. It's a vlog. I would recommend it. Um, thank you so much for listening, though. We'll be back next week to discuss all things cinema. Goodbye. <laughs>